You are listening to the Red Roots Podcast. Good mo- I was going to say good morning, but it's not morning. It is afternoon. Good afternoon. We've changed the schedule up. Uh, we've changed. If you're watching, you can see we've obviously, we're in a different place now as well. Um, this is our future filming studio type thing or whatever. It's nowhere near being close to being done, but we wanted to set it up different so that we could sit like kind of next to each other instead of, um, because of Simon is not here. Obviously, if you're watching, you can see that. Um, if you're listening, you couldn't tell yet because he doesn't talk much in the beginning. It takes a while <laughs> to get going. Um, but yes, yeah, Simon's back in the UK. He's back there uh, with his family. He's safe travels and everything. Got back with no problems. Um, so he's there for at least at least three months, raising money and um, you know doing all, visiting his family and stuff. Obviously, and doing stuff he needs to do. Uh, just making contact with his church, his supporting churches and friends and all that type of stuff. And um, so, if yeah, you can be praying for him during this time. He wants to come back. I just talked to him a second ago. He said, um, I think he said he wants to be back in June. So, yeah, so that's what he's pushing for. Hopefully, he can get his vaccination by then as well. And so, um, yeah. Uh, what else has changed? Oh, yeah, the girls have gone back to school, which is why we are now recording in the afternoon. And so, they're doing virtual school. How's that been going? A disaster. <laughs> why you say that? It, um well, because they have to, they, because, I don't know, it's just, everything is like, listen to me and copy what I'm telling you to do, like, write down what I'm telling you uh, to do, and, but all the kids are talking at the same time, or like, she'll say like, three words, the teacher will say three words, and then they're like, teacher, can you repeat that? And she's like, mute your microphones, and nobody wants to mute their microphones, and so it's just, it's chaotic. It's yeah, chaotic. I I don't. I'm not a fan. I think the good. first week, um, Jalen was like, I saw Jalen like getting flustered, and I asked her. I said, "Are you okay? Do you want to just pause and I pray with you?" And she was like, "I just want to scream." <laughs> I was like, "I get yeah. it. I get it." Yeah, the, there was some apparently uh, one of the other kids from the church, Lucas, who's some of the kids are using uh, the office. We have internet here in the office, so they've been coming and doing their online school here. But he was telling me while he was here that he accidentally went into the girls' class because someone sent him the wrong link. Mm-hmm. And so they popped up in the – all his class popped up in the girls' class, and he said they were all making noise and stuff. And just a disaster, absolute disaster. And they already have a ton of homework when they're not in school. It's just a lot of copying and stuff that's just not necessary. Anyways, um, yeah. So, that it, it, yeah, it's been a disaster. But – it is what it is, and everybody has to go through it, I guess, at this point. So they'll make it through, and I think they're going to start pushing to go back to uh, being in-person school uh, soon, probably, soon. Um, but they need to get the vaccinations rolling. That's the that's the challenge. There's only been like a 1,000 va- uh, people vaccinated in our whole – in our territory or state or whatever you want to call it. So who knows? Who knows? You got to go with the flow these days. But, um, yeah, so that's where we are with that. But do people want to get vaccinated? Um, I mean, I, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people want to get vaccinated. They don't want the vaccine that was supposed to be re- readily available, which is not even readily available, which was the B- Russian vaccine, the Sputnik six or four or whatever it is, 37. I don't know. 
Um, but that one, but a lot of people are obviously skeptical of, of it, you know, for anyways. Yeah. A lot of people are skeptical of it. Agree with it. Disagree with it. a lot of people are skeptical of that one. And so, um, uh, they went, they actually sent a plane to bring the Chinese one, you know, and I mean, I don't know. It's kind of become like people are frustrated, but they make jokes about it, but they're frustrated about it. Like of all the vaccines, why are we getting the two that people don't trust, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. I, I don't know, but then there's going to be people that don't trust any vaccine. And so, yeah, it's just a mess, man. It's just a, an absolute mess. Um, so, yeah, who knows what where this is headed. And just have to stick in there and do their online classes for a while. Uh, it's kind of nice on, a, on one level because they're already home and they can kind of flow into it. But their schoolwork and stuff, it's just frustrating having to, you know, see them deal with that and stuff. So that is what it is for now. But, yeah. So, anyway, speaking of kids... That brings me to what we want to talk about today and um, raising kids on the mission field or overseas even for that matter, because it's not, I mean, not one or the other. I I just want to have a conversation with you, obviously, about it, because we've raised our kids. I mean, our kids were born here, which is number one, uh, and then up until they're about to be 10 next month. So you're getting old, but um, (laughs) they're about to be 10. And then, so yeah, so I don't know what raising kids on the mission field, what are your initial thoughts on that is it something that you have enjoyed or is it something that you wish there was something different or I don't know I think there are there's been pros and cons for me um uh it's just I've enjoyed some of the pros are just that I think you hear a lot about some American uh privilege and um just some of the how how spoiled maybe we we our kids are in the United States and all of the conveniences and and the results of having so much readily available to you like um, the attitudes ungratefulness and you know I hear a lot of that from from friends and my family members but um, I'm grateful that the girls didn't grow up with so much not like we don't have anything but but not with like an excess excess of things because I can see that um they're grateful they're grateful for very little things you know you can go ahead I think they have an excess of things that's another issue but I think they don't have the access that they would have had had they lived in the United States so that makes them grateful to be able to, have, you know what I mean, for, for any little thing or whatever, I think. That's just my opinion. Yeah, well, well you're right, because when we walk into their room, they got There's stuff just, everywhere. Just, yeah, Ridiculous. <laughs> way too much stuff, but yeah. Um, and um, I, one of the things that has been harder, I would guess, is, I would say, not guess, is just raising them away from family, because I would really like for them I want to say I would really like for them to be closer to family but realistically it wouldn't be exactly closer to family because they my family lives in Philadelphia part of your family lives in um Columbus and then you know West Virginia huh Columbus Ohio Columbus Ohio yeah and so I mean I think I just kind of tricked myself into thinking it would be closer to family um, maybe physically but but I was meaning be closer to family as far as part of their everyday life you know which still wouldn't happen. So I don't know. Um, it's been, it's, it's a lot of give and take. It's a lot of pros and cons. That's the tough thing about living overseas. This is like but living away. I should say just in general is because you have this or well, overseas specifically, you have this idea that if you live closer, 
then yeah, it would be like every day we're going to be hanging out and all this other stuff. And this is not true. It's, you have kind of a, it's a fantasy more than anything. And you know, I think, I mean, there, there's some reason to that. For me, I think living closer would be the benefit is that we can, it doesn't cost us $5,000 to go visit grandparents and yeah. stuff. And then more tickets because wherever we land, we got to go visit the other grandparents and the other grandparents. And so then it's another ticket, you know, here and there, whatever. And so you're looking at, you know, 6000 some dollars to visit grandparents. You know, it wouldn't take us that in a, in a like a whole day and a half worth of travel. It wouldn't take us that. You could go up on a, you know, you could go on a long weekend and you could visit for, you know, $1,200 instead of, you know, literally a fraction of the cost. And so, I mean, stuff like that, I, you know, you can do definitely always do holidays. You could do that with someone and they could come visit you easier as well. Yeah. And so that would be that that would be easier, um, you know. But I think one of the benefits of our kids being born here is they never they've never lived really on a permanent basis or, you know, long term basis. They're only 10, but like close to grandparents and stuff. So that's not like something that. I think they, they want it, but they, they want it because it's ideal. They don't want it because, like, they miss living close to their grandparents and stuff like that. And so, I mean, that's, I guess on that side, the benefit of them being born here is they don't, they don't, you don't miss something that you've never experienced, you know. And so they've never experienced living close. Jolie always asks, like, to go and visit and wants to live there and whatever. But, again, it's the idea. She hasn't, it's not, like, based on this experience. So they don't get too down about it. That's what I'm trying to yeah. say is they don't get too down about it. Um, because it's it's not it, the normal for them is living far away, and so I, if now if we moved here like now, when they're nine and ten, I think it would I mean it would be really a lot rougher, because I mean you think they would come right now they wouldn't speak Spanish, yeah, I don't know. they would be I mean I think every day, um, they would be asking to go you know like quote unquote back home, and saying they miss their grandparents and miss Mima and Gigi and you know granny and whatever else and so I think that would be a big difference but because they were born here and they've grown up here this is like the normal to them is to like it stinks still like they still don't like it but it's normal for them to live you know that far away from their their grandparents so I don't know yeah being far away from family even without kids though that's still that's still tough you know even if you live by yourself so but like um but yeah I don't know raising like what has been the toughest thing for you as far as raising kids overseas, like far away? Um, I, I don't know that there's been a lot of challenges, honestly. Um, I guess the one thing that, that just sticks out is maybe just um, the education system. Just sometimes wondering, like, man, are we setting them up, not for failure, but is they're definitely at a disadvantage because the education system mm -hmm. is not at the level that it is in the United States. And um, so when I think about how prepared, quote unquote, prepared they would be for college, it, it, uh, that that, you know, it makes me wonder. But but I wouldn't say that it's it's hard. It's not a challenge. Yeah, it's a conversation, obviously, that we're having right now is for the future. Just thinking about because the girls want to go to the United States for college or I'm sorry for. um for high school and you know we've had family members offer to obviously to you know take them and let them live there and whatever but man like that's a I don't know like it's it's tough because I don't want my kids to miss out on opportunities and I'm not talking about social life I'm talking about legit education yeah like because they have social lives here you know if you can't be social here then why would you why do I think you could be social there um 
but the education on education uh, opportunities. Uh, I don't want them to miss out on that because we've chosen to live here. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's That's been kind of a tough thing. You know, I, I don't know, something that we've been talking about going forward, and I don't even know which way it looks like. Jo- Jolie has decided in her mind that she's moving. Yeah. Like she's done. When she's gone, she's gone. And so, I mean, when she's, what she says, 14 or something like that. But she's already decided that she's moving to the States at that age. And so, yeah, I don't know. That's a big conversation to have going forward. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, but that's a big part of it. That's a, you know, that's one of the challenging things about it is like, yeah, what, what are we going to do with that? Because if they finish high school here, then let's say they want to go to the college in the United States. That's, that's a tough transition. It's not impossible, but it's a tough transition, you know. And, um, and you kind of, yeah, I mean, you have to be really like kind of a top student here and self-starter and all that stuff, I think, to make that transition well. Um, so I don't, I don't know, man. Who knows what that's going to be like, you know, or whatever. What is your most um, like radical experience, I guess you could say, uh, parenting here? Or have you had one or, you know? I mean, I could think of one, but I'm not going to speak for you. Radical experience? I mean, you can speak for me because I'm nothing. I don't know. And we were in the mall. Radical. But, okay, to be fair, that could happen to any, any that could have happened to me anywhere in the world. I know, but no. <laughs> I don't know if you would have had that concern anywhere. I don't know. Yeah. So we're in the mall and uh, you can tell the story. Uh, yeah. So f- we... I've had a fear, and I'm, I'm very aware that it was a very deep-rooted fear, and I don't know where it came from, that um, someone somewhere, doesn't matter where, um, was going to kidnap our children. And I mean, we could be home asleep in the bed, every doors locked, guard dogs, you know, and I would wake up looking for the girls, and I can't find them, and I'm just total oh, yeah. freak panic I attack. that happened to the house as well. Looking for my child because, or one of my girls because I, I, I thought somebody broke in and took them because I've heard, I've seen that stuff on the news. You start uh, watching movies. Movies too, but but um, so we were at the mall one time after church with a bunch of friends eating lunch. I went to the bathroom with the girls and one of my friends was coming out of the bathroom and um, she asked my girls if she, she, no one of my girl no she asked my girls if they wanted to go with her to go back to the table where Ramon was and everyone was sitting and and my girls said no they wanted to stay with me and so I opened the door to the bathroom walk in and and, and close the door behind me and I see Jalen and I don't see Jolie <clears throat> and so I say Jolie you know looking around I'm like maybe she walked into a stall wasn't there and so, like, in a split second, I just freaked out. I, I opened the elevator real quick, thinking somebody snatched her and ran off with her. I ran into the men's bathroom, and I'm looking in all the stalls. And then I run upstairs, because the bathroom was downstairs. So I ran upstairs to where the food court was, and all, I mean, I just screamed for Ramon. Um, and he was all the way on the opposite side of the food court. So everybody kind of, I, I mean, I stopped. Not, not kind of. <laughs> no one, you didn't stop. That's not I, I was gonna say I I stopped everybody in their tracks like everyone yes, stopped and you looked were screaming at me. across the entire food. Court. I was terrified. I couldn't find my daughter. Yeah. But mind you, like, like we we always hung out with you know the youth group basically is what it was, and so it was like a group of like, I mean twenty people, and our kids would always wander from person to person, and so that you know everybody, I mean they're the only two little kids there. Everybody else was college students and single and all that, and so that you know they just. They were always around, but they weren't ever wanderers anyways. And so 
But everybody looked out for the kids because we're always together. And so that's why Jolie, you know, wandered off. She changed her mind and wandered off because they did it all the time, you know. Yeah. There, we, you always knew there was somebody. And apparently that time it just worked out in the opposite way. And, like, you're yelling across the entire food court. And Jolie's looking at you right next to me. I didn't see you. You were so far away. You I just yelled for you. You couldn't see me. I couldn't see you. And you stood up because you were sitting at a table. No, I just looked and I was just pointed down like. She's right here because I heard someone yelling and I was like, I just kept doing, we kept doing what we're doing because you just think somebody, I don't know, you're not thinking anything about it. Somebody just being silly or whatever. And then I was like, yo, I think somebody, like it just registered. Somebody's yelling my name. And I turned around like, what is this person yelling? This crazy person. <laughs> and I turned around and looked at like, and I like, I'm looking because it's a crowd of people and I see, see it's you and you yell, I can't find Jolie in the, literally, I mean, there's probably 1,500, 2,000 people up there. And everyone is looking at you and like and you're yelling in English and like everybody's like like trying to figure out like what's going on with this lady because you're just yelling in the middle of everything they have no idea who you're talking to and I looked and everybody's looking and like like our friends are looking because they don't understand what you're yelling about either and like I'm sitting there and Jolie's like I remember Jolie standing like on the back of the it was that bench thing and she's like standing on the back looking over like she's trying to figure out what's going on too and she's like looking at you and I'm looking and like when I finally figured out what you were saying, like I pointed, like I was like, she's she's right here, and you were like, oh, and then you ran off the other way or whatever. I guess you're embarrassed. I don't know. Now I was crying because I was so scared. You cried after we found her. Uh, the whole or time, but yeah, I ran her, off. Was, yeah, I had to calm down because uh -huh. I was still so worked up. I think Georgette went down there to check on you or something. Yeah, I think it was Georgette. Yeah, I, that was. And then there was another time we were at home too, and you uh. It was like eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, and you ran in a room yelling, saying you can't find Jalen. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember. There happened a couple times. Our house is upstairs. I mean, it's like we have a two. We had a two-story home at the time. If you've come to Bolivia to visit us, you probably visited us in that house. I think we had the most visitors in that house than we had in the other place. But uh, it was like a two-story house, and it's like eight eight thirty, nine o'clock. So the girls had just gone to bed, not too too er much earlier. And uh, Jalen comes running. I can't find Jalen. I can't find. She's yelling, and I'm like, "What in the world is going on?" And so, like, I hop up, and I walk out the room. He's like, "I can't find her anywhere." And I'm like, "I'm not really concerned, cause, well, I mean, she's got to be somewhere. Kids don't disappear." And you thought that someone broke in, climbed our wall, broke into our house, snuck upstairs, snuck past our bedroom, snuck and left Jolie. And took Jalen, snuck back out, scaled the wall, and got out. That's what you thought, no? Yeah. Okay. Jalen was laying, like, on the floor right next to our door. Like, she was just laying there. And I picked her. I was like, dude, she's right here. So those were, you don't think those, you think, you don't think those uh, experiences were connected to living overseas and just being in, like, a, a place that's foreign? Or you feel like if we lived in Charleston, you would have been doing that? I don't know if it was Charleston. I think if we were like in the Dominican Republic still. Right, but that's overseas. Well, yeah, maybe it does. Yeah. It's, well, okay. So for, for people listening who may not know, we used to work at an orphanage. And you hear there were cases of, specifically a case where a child was found um, at the border of Bolivia going into, I can't remember which country it was. She was um, taken and was going to be sold for her organs. And so that is a very real story we cared for and took care of this this child in the orphanage and so it was a it was 
not just something I heard from someone that I heard that read it in a paper or whose cousin told her about it. You know, it was actually a case that we knew um, that was very close and, and actually here in Bolivia. And then in the Dominican Republic, we worked with girls who were sex trafficked. And yeah, but our kids, we, that, this happened before that. The one with Jalen by the door happened before we even lived there. I know, but in, in the case with um, when I was afraid because Jalen was in a hammock, she was in a hammock, I couldn't find her. This was, oh, at this, another time? this was here in the house. Oh, yeah. well, I didn't even know about this one. Tell yeah, because you one. found her. You said she's in the hammock. When was this? I don't remember. Uh, when we first got here. So what did you say? I said, oh. No, I mean, what was oh. the <laughs> context for? Well, well, my point is that I think it all kind of affects me. I mean, yeah, the, the one with the girl in the orphanage was before the girls were born. And then also when we worked in the Dominican Republic, I think it was just layers to the reality of how this does happen on a daily basis. But I don't think it happens like people busting into the house, climbing the fence and taking kids from there. Like it's not it's like kids who are out wandering around and all this other stuff. Or some, sometimes the kids are sold too. That's I think that's what the un, unfortunately the case in the orphanage a lot of times was that. It's like their parents would sell them to somebody for a few bucks, and like then they would take them to traffic them. Like where she was being crossed into, I think it was Argentina or something like that. That was like a place they 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 used to sell kids for like seven dollars there, like fifty bees. They used to sell them and they would traffic them, traffic them across the board and stuff. That was like a, it was like a very taboo market thing that happened. They somebody wrote an article about it some years ago, but yeah, yeah. it wasn't typically people like, you know doing all that, like, t- t- Mission Impossible stuff to, like, climb up and take a kid. Yeah. But, no, I remember um, writing um, a friend, um, Pastor Janice, who, um, from, mm-hmm. uh, where are they from? North, oh, what's, I forgot the name of the church right now. Anyway, um, writing her and um, and asking her to pray for me because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle living like this. Like, every single not every minute but I just, couldn't handle living like that either I know you couldn't I'm sorry but it's it was just terrified I couldn't let the girls play outside because I'm afraid someone's gonna well you could let them play outside drive you by on a motorcycle and snatch them up you know yeah. and so but but then you have like our our neighbor Marcia, uh, Marcia yeah uh from church we have a neighbor named Marcia. I mean Marcia from church Oh, yeah. Well, okay. She's always next door. Um, who's like teaching our girls self defense and how to like <laughs> she, she's so crazy. She taught them this little knot move that if somebody ever tries to take you, just drop you to the ground and like <laughs> do something with your legs and wrap it around their, their arms and <laughs> she probably saw it on YouTube. <laughs> and so like we have people also I guess it's a I don't know if it's a motherly thing or what, but no, I mean, well, I mean, kids get taken, and that that's a, that is a reality, really a reality everywhere. But um, and I think for everybody, I think they think that wherever they live is the worst place because they've heard the kids gotten taken, but um, get taken. But that's you know that's something that happens everywhere. So I mean, it's good. It is good to know different little protocols and stuff like that, and have limits of where the kids can go because it does happen a lot. I mean, it's just unfortunate. Unfortunately, that's a, it's a thing, you know. But our kids don't wonder really outside of where somebody that we know can see them all the time you know they're always yeah. you know at it's our whether our neighbors or what, there's always someone they're always in someone's eyesight and so it's like you know you kind of 
But I mean, stuff can still happen. But equally, I mean, man, like you can't put handcuffs on your kid and let them. You yeah, know. I think that was hard too. Trying to explain to the girls, um, trying to teach them safety without putting my fear on them. You know, like yeah. that was really hard. That was a hard balance for me because I want them to. I wanted them to understand that that this is a real danger, but yeah. I didn't want them to to fear going outside or going to school because there was a. Um, um, there were messages going around to all of the schools, be careful because someone's selling backpacks out of a car and getting, luring your children to their car and they're taking them. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it happened to like one school close to the girl's school. Um, and so when you hear that, you automatically want to tell, don't go talking to strangers. Somebody's going to take you, you know, yeah. like try to make them afraid, fear, um, scare them into obeying you. But, but it, it was hard. I'm thankful that I haven't done that. To my knowledge, they don't seem kind of traumatized. No, I think they're conscious, but they're not. They're not overly traumatized. Jolie was a little bit more when she was younger, but now she's a little more laid back. She's very conscious um, and aware, which, which is what you want them to be. You want them to be aware and just conscious of the fact that you know stuff can happen. But yeah. equally, you know, not to be terrified to be able to move or walk or whatever, you know. And so, I don't know. Yeah, there's. That was definitely a balance there. You know, I don't, you don't want them to be clueless and wandering around. and uh, But equally, you want them to... Uh, man, that kid is having a tough time. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you you don't want them to be clueless and wander around like nothing can ever happen. But uh, but equally, you don't want them to be terrified to walk across the street, you know. Because, yeah. I mean, I think... Well, with where we live, man, kids just play outside. Like, when I grew up, kids played outside, too. I, I understand that. It's a different world than what I grew up in. But equally, man, like, I just can't – I don't want to raise kids in the way to where – like, what am I living here for if I'm so afraid of the people that everybody's going to kill and eat my kid? Or You know, what? Am, I mean, I just need to go home at that point. This is my opinion. But equally, you know, not being a fool and just letting your kid go anywhere and do anything with anybody and whatever, you know, that's not wise either. But that's not wise in the States either. So it's just like, you know, I mean – just parenting and that from that perspective, I guess, more than anything else, you know, and just trying to find that balance of like, OK, because I don't know, like it's it's just weird just trying to find figure out what is that, you know, what is the about. And as they grow older and stuff like that, too, like obviously, you know, things change and stuff they want to do and their ability to go. Now they go to the store by themselves and buy stuff for lunch or milk or chicken or a soda or whatever. You know, as we need, and so I mean that. But when they were younger, I don't think they were capable of doing that because they weren't as conscious of just you know people and strangers and stuff walking around. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But I I'm aware that the way that we live is way different than the way we would live if we we're in the states. And so that I mean that comes into play there as far as them being like quote unquote free or to you know to roam around or whatever. But I mean they're they roam around a pretty good bit in the neighborhood now. But again, it's it's still within like. Because everything we have, like, and for people that don't understand, like, everything that we do is close. So, like, we have our house. Across the street is the clinic where my office is, where we are right now, and then where the church is in the same clinic as well. So a lot of the people from downstairs in the clinic, or some of the people go to ch- go to the church upstairs, but we're connected to all the people in the clinic. Like, we know them all. Like, we go, when they have their end-of-the-year dinners, we always go and, you know, different stuff like that. So, you know, we have relationships. So they all, all, this, all, all of them know the girls, and then... Um, Miguel, who is Rudy's dad, lives next door to us, and behind him, Carlos, who and Carlo go to our church, and I mean, we're really close with them. They live there, and across the street is a store. Next to them is Efrain. Like so, you know, we know all those people right here, and then even across the street from the hospital on the other side is is Anna, and like so, you know, so we just have 
you know, we know our neighbors and stuff. And I think that's helpful is people know, you know, kind of, they're just aware, having people aware of, and they see the girls and they'll say something to them or, you know, whatever. I think if Anna saw the girls over there, like on the other side of the fundacion of the, of the clinic, she would ask like, oh, where are you going? What are you, what are you doing over here? And then two houses down, you got Mighty Scott in them. So, you know, you just have people that would be familiar, familiar people who are familiar with your kids and know kind of who they should be with or even where they should be to an extent. And so, you know, I think that's helpful. And I mean, I have, I don't know, I, I do, I trust all those people I named as far as like for the protection of my kids, I do. I don't trust them like I trust myself, but I don't trust anybody to protect my kids like I trust me, you know, but equally, I, you know, I definitely do trust them. I, and I, on that side of it, even though it is a different upbringing for the girls, I, I like, and like I've tried to push them to like embrace the upbringing that they have because the opportunities that they have here. Is it, I mean, this is going to be a memorable childhood for them compared to if they do move to the States when they're 18, 19, whatever, and they go to college or whatever they do. You know, if they go to the States, their upbringing is going to be way different than what a lot of their friends, you know, will, will, their upbringing will be. And there's a lot more memories of like, and I guess to them it'll be old school memories or whatever, but to me it's like good community fun memories, you know, playing outside, catching bugs and carrying chickens around and, you know, ducks and just all, you know, all types of different adventures and stuff like that and stuff. A lot of the stuff that I, I like, I don't look at it as my kids are missing out on life in the States. I really don't. I think they're missing out on like the opportunity to maybe have a PlayStation five or, uh, you know, a Nintendo switch and, you know, stuff like that, having a TV in the room or I don't know, whatever it is that go to the movies like, huh? <clears throat> to me, like I'm just adding to your list, like maybe go to the movies, yeah. roller skating, bowling. Yeah. You're having that type of, that type of stuff. And like, I mean, those are cool opportunities, but equally, I think there's stuff here that they are able to do that they would not be able to do there. And riding on motorcycles is, is one, you know, they're never going to ride a motorcycle if they live in the States. Mm -hmm. And if they do, it's going to be one time with somebody who rides them around the parking lot or something. But, you know, here they move around on motorcycles. It's a very normal thing for them. And when they're older, they're going to learn how to ride motorcycles. So, like, that, you know, it's just a very normal thing for here. And so, like, I like, I cherish those experiences uh, for them growing up and to kind of build their life on that. I think it's a good thing to have. And, like, that, that's why I'm, like, so about, like, we have pets. And, like, I don't, I mean, obviously, I don't know how many we have. We have three dogs now. That was somehow. We had two, but then one got abandoned and never left, basically, uh, long and the short of it. And then um, we have, they, well, they have gerbils, and we have a duck. And, you know, we had, we had two ducks. One disappeared. There's a goat. There's chickens all over the place. And But, you know, um, but I'm super, super gung-ho about, like, getting them, letting them have pets, especially like ducks and stuff like that that are outside because why not? Like it's part of the experience of something that we wouldn't have if we lived in the States. We wouldn't have ducks just fluttering around. Like, you know, you wouldn't have the space for it and they're going to go in your neighbor's yard. It's just, it's a different thing. And the way people see it is different too. You're not going to have a goat in the States, you know, they're not going to have that type of stuff. So I, from that perspective, I like life for them here. I like in that, in that way, I like the experience. I, I just want to, I guess I've I've tried to personally embrace the experiences they can have here, oh, like as opposed to sitting here and thinking about what experiences they're missing out on. Yeah, you know, and so just basically stewarding, I guess, is stewarding the stuff that they have, and then so they 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 have so much fun, man, as kids here, and in part it does remind me of my childhood a little bit because we were allowed to like wander around and like the neighborhood and stuff. We were allowed to, you know, we did we were looking for frogs all the time and you know stuff like that just as kids and. 
with the neighborhood kids and whatever. We're just always doing stuff like that. And I see when I see them doing that, I remember how much joy that brought me as a kid just to have that freedom to just explore and do kid stuff and walk around, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, really fun. And even they, they even take it a step further with all the animals and stuff they have. I mean, they have stuff that I probably would have asked for as a kid and probably would have gotten rejected with reason, right, when I was a kid. Because it just, again, you don't have those type of animals there, um, at least where I grew up. But um, but equally, I think, I don't know, I, I think it's been a great experience for them to have and a great way for them to grow up. It's with that, I don't want to say freedom, because it's freedom, it just freedom looks different depending on who's talking about it. But with that ability to be able to have access to these animals and pets and, you know, stuff like that and, and be able to enjoy it and, and, and yeah, I don't know, just kind of live life like that and still kind of live like, even though we don't live in a village, where we live kind of feels like a, a, a bigger village. And so, like, to have kind of the good experiences of a village life of, yeah, like I said, knowing all your neighbors and stuff and wandering around and, you know, having all these people involved in your life and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know, I think it's a good experience, and especially for kids who, you know, uh, are supposedly growing up third culture. Um, I don't even know how third culture. I mean, I, they definitely are third culture, but I don't think they would realize that. And I don't know that they'll ever feel, because in their minds, they're, they're Bolivian. You know, I mean, I think they would say what they are literally is I'm a Bolivian American or I'm, you know, Puerto Rican, you know, whatever uh, their ethnic identity is. But I think they identify with I mean, this is what they know and this is where they live and this is the way they talk. Their accents, everything are, are from are from here, you know. So I really like that. I actually like that for my kids just because it's a different way to grow up. It's not a bad way to grow up. I think it's different than the average kid's experience. And when they get older, I think it's like, oh, how cool was it that they were able to do this? And they have so many life experiences with the place that ha- that has limited access, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's limited access to what, you know. And that's the thing. is They won't have access to the same thing all the other kids have had. Because, like, when they again, their friends, when they get older, are going to be like, you remember PlayStation 5? They're not going to remember that. They don't even know what it is. Like, and so, thank God. Um, but equally, like, their memories and experiences are going to, I don't know, there's a lot more. De- again, dealing with animals and going on nature walks with Andrea and getting, like, pretty much lost out in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> me and Rudy going to looking for them. You know, stuff like that. Those are, those are great stories to tell. Or why, going out at night and trying to spot the uh, Brazilian porcupines in the back tree or coming face to face in the window with a uh, with a giant anteater in your window, like those are really cool experiences. Which I'm fully aware that as the years go by, they're gonna grow up like, oh yeah, yeah, that's normal. But, but then again, when you're an adult, they're gonna and they hear the other friends like it's gonna be a, it's a cool, it'll be a cool experience again for them, like it was the first time, you know. Yeah. And so I, I you know, I really like that just horses wandering around, which I don't like that, but equally I, you know, I cherish that experience for them to be able to live in a place where this happens. And stuff, and there's just always something happening. We're always catching some type of animal. And Jolie, like, there's some bird got in the rabbit cage yesterday, and Jolie just gets in and bare hands the thing. Like, I was gonna tell her to put a glove on, and like, by the time I even got outside, she already had it in her hand. I have no idea how she caught a wild bird with her hands, <laughs> but she did, you know. And she's not afraid. Like, I love that she's not afraid. I think if we grew up in the states, I don't know how gung, you know what I mean, that she would have that have it, have experienced animals enough to not be afraid of them. And to not even not be afraid of them, but she's all about like her only question now is like, is it poisonous? Does it bite? And if I say no, like, oh, she's grabbing it. Mm -hmm. Like that's and like, I mean, she knows birds aren't poisonous and don't bite in that sense. You know, I mean, they do, but not like that, you know, so she's 
had bird in her hand. Like, that's the end of the story, you know? I know. We saw uh, a, tar- a tarantula in the room the other day, and I started mm-hmm. recording it. And um, I said, do you want me to call Daddy to come and kill it? And Jolie just takes her flip-flop off and gets smashed. Yeah, yeah. It. We've been working on that for years. They usually come and call me, so I'm proud. I was very proud when I saw that <laughs> that she did that. Uh, yeah, is it, you know, stuff like that, man. I, I like... I. I just don't think they would have that had we grown. Again, I know they're missing out on certain things that other people value in the States, but I think these are experiences that they're getting here that they would have never got. Also, I mean, the elephant in the rooms, they're bilingual. I mean, they're very bilingual at this point. Matter of fact, I would, with Jolie at least, I would say her Spanish is probably better than her English. Doesn't mean she doesn't speak English, but she struggles, um, like with the sentence structures and stuff like that and like understanding the rules of English um, now. Oh, she says it in Spanish. You could tell she's saying it. She says it in English the way that you would say it in Spanish. So she, instead of White House, she would say that house white. And because he's for I don't know how when this happened, but it seems like she's translating it in her, in her head. Yeah. She's like, oh, have you ever seen that house white? I'm like, what'd you say? And some now she's kind of getting she's like, oh, the white the White House. Or whatever, but she said there's a lot of things like that. But you know, bilingual that's a tool automatically they have in their pocket, and again, just the life experiences of uh, just being able to run around and just you know be free and chase animals and warm climate all the time. And so, being having way more time outside than they would have if we lived in you know anywhere north of Georgia, pretty much in the United States, you know. Uh, so, I, yeah, just cherishing those things or whatever that that's the way I've approached it and I've preferred to focus on those things from that perspective is uh what are the things that they can do you know instead of like oh man because I used to think like that I wish my kids could do this I wish my kids could do that oh my and I'll see my friends kids being able to do stuff wish they could do this then I'm like man like my kids held a parrot today like you know like my kids like you know the list goes on and on about different stuff that they're able to do or they swam with piranhas like you know today like and it wasn't a one-time experience. That's what we do when we go swimming. It's, I mean, because there's piranhas in there. It's not really as dangerous as it sounds. But to people that don't know, it's, it's very dangerous and very adventurous and whatever. And so I was just very cool. They've seen piranhas. They've, you know, they, like, they've eaten piranha, I believe, because like, I have. So I imagine they have. And, like, there's so many different experiences, man, that they've been able to um, have instead of uh, – yeah, I – <clears throat> experiences that will be are unique to living here. I'll just say it that way. And then because there's experiences that are unique to living in the U.S. and there are experiences that are unique to here. And so I feel like, you know, I just wanted to take advantage of the experiences they have that are unique to here and just like full on take advantage of them. And so, you know, again, they're older. Yeah, we used to ride on a motorcycle. Like, it's not, you know, that's a normal thing. And so it's not normal in the States, but it's normal for here. So let's embrace it. And like go on, you know, whatever with it. And so I don't know. I like from that. I think that's been my personal, not even in talking to you about that, but just my personal mentality and approach to parenting here is just embracing it, embracing what the you know what the culture does to 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 an extent, right? Of if my kid's safety and stuff, that's a different conversation. But uh, just the adventurous part of it and being able to do stuff that you you're not able to do in the states or whatever. So that's been. I don't know. I think that's been good. That's been my perspective and the, what I like about it, what I like, what I've liked about raising them here and in Trinidad specifically, even more so than all of Bolivia, but in Trinidad specifically, that's been my experience here. So. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I remember one time they ate, they were invited to eat lunch at a neighbor's house and, um, 
when they came home after lunch, I asked them what did they eat, and um, Jalen said, oh, something, it looked like diarrhea, and I just thought back to me as a kid, like, if someone gave me something to eat that looked like diarrhea, I wasn't going to eat it, you know, yeah. and I was like, did you eat it? Yeah, it was good. <clears throat> I was yeah. like, that, I think that is an experience. I think that is just something that I don't know if maybe we could have taught them that back in it's the it. States, but it, we also wouldn't have never served them something like that, looking like that in the States. But um, just them um, never uh, p- putting their nose, turning their nose up at things, the way that people do things here, the cultures, their foods, you know, um, their, their, their form of dress, you know, sometimes you go, you walk around and people, I'm not saying everyone, but for the most part, if everyone's just like, it's hot here. And so everyone's just in their comfortable attire. They're not always going to match, you know, they're, they'll have like different patterns on or just what they have on doesn't make sense, (laughs) but they're outside in it. You know, the girls aren't like, what in the world does she have on? You know, it's just, but I mean, to them, it's their life. It's normal, you know, to have stuff like that. They know we don't have stuff like that for dinner, but they equally understand that like, I mean, they're conscious about it. You know, they know like, this is what people eat for dinner. And so that they don't, they again, because they grew up here, I think it never registers to them like, oh, I'm not going to eat this. Mm-hmm. Like they just, everybody else is eating it. So they eat it. Like it's not, it's not about liking or not liking. It's about eating. And so they'll eat. And I really appreciate that about them. Yeah. Is they, you know, are the stories that our neighbors come to us with, they're, they'll eat anything instead of, oh, they don't eat anything. You know what I mean? And I don't think anyone's going to be offended by a nine-year-old girl. But equally, I don't know, it's, you can tell people are, are impacted by, by that, by them embracing whatever it is that they have in their house. And so it makes them more welcome in places because they just fit right in. You know, because I think people at first are delicate with them because they think that they're going to be offended or like kind of shy about, especially with food, about eating stuff or doing certain stuff. But they don't care. They just jump right in and do whatever everybody else is doing, which is great. They're, they're very adaptable and. Yeah. And whatever. So they've they've been really uh, good from that sense. Uh, both of them really have been really in the beginning when they were younger, not so much. Jalen was actually way more the adventurer than Jolie was. Jolie was very clingy and was not about going anywhere new or trying anything new or anything like that. Um, but they've they've changed quite a bit now. Jolie is quite the adventurer now. Um, Jalen is too, but Jalen's more like the physical adventure. She wants to climb on trees and stuff like that. Jolie wants to catch animals, pick them up, and, like, um, they're both kind of gung-ho about trying new foods. They're both pretty pretty hot on that. So, I don't know. Yeah, I guess they both are now, um, just in different ways. They're both pretty adventurous and stuff. I, I appreciate that about them because, again, that keeps that door open for adventures, that they're adventurous in that sense. Obviously, it keeps the door open for them to experience, just constantly have new experiences and stuff like that. So, it's really cool. So, if, say there are, like, some people, a family getting ready to come, not here, just go on the mission field with children. Like, is there a way you think that they could help prepare their children for the transition? Or, like, what is, like, some advice that you might have for them? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think, to be honest with you, I think it's in the way you raise your kids, too. And, I mean, again, we raised our kids here, so it was a little bit of a cheat code. But... It re- I think it reveals to you how you've how your kids adapt to different like it's 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 hard. I'm not saying it's like a straight across the line, but like how your kids are able to adapt to different people to diversity. Let's say it that way, um, and not just in skin color, which de- definitely in skin color, but not just in that and just cultures and stuff like that. 
it's kind of a reflection on how you've raised them, you know? Mm. And so I think, uh, I mean, shoot, anywhere, like, again, if I could go back and we had our kids in the States, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to, but if we did that and I took anything from myself now and could tell myself, you know what I mean? Tell myself, like, from this experience to that, I would say, like, man, raise your kid with as many experiences as possible. But I would say that to anybody. Like, diversify your kids. Like, make them try different foods. And I don't mean just eat your broccoli. Like, I mean, like, yeah. Indian food, like, African food. And, like, you know, like, just different plates from Kenya and, you know, whatever. Uh, Nigeria, whatever the case may be. Uh, Indian food. I think I said that already. Uh, but whatever. Like, Mexican food. Everybody eats, quote, unquote, Mexican. But it's really, like, American food. But um, with the Mexican twist. Um, but, like, yeah, just exposing them to different stuff, different cultures, different experiences, man. Cause like you can see how much it plays into the development, you know? And so obviously the, even more for a missionary or a person who's moving overseas and, uh, is like, I think exposing your kids to different stuff and like letting them get a full experience and like teaching them to be adaptable, you know, not unstable, but adaptable. There's a fine line between those two, but mm-hmm. teaching them to be adaptable and to accept and look for the best in every situation. But a lot of times your kids pick up on what you're doing. Yeah. And so if you're kind of turning your nose up about everything, then they're going to obviously do what you do, you know. And so it's, I guess the information that the the, uh, the advice goes back to, you know, to the adult parent, embrace life, embrace, you know, different things. Look for the good things to embrace wherever you are. If you live in a bad neighborhood, like there's good things in a bad neighborhood. You just don't see them. You know, if you live in a good neighborhood, enjoy the good things in a good neighborhood. And then I think, but if you embrace things, I think you start to re, kind of redefine what a bad neighborhood and a good neighborhood is, you know, because um, there's no such thing as all bad and there's no such thing as all good. Yeah. You know, it's just different. They're very different and stuff. And so, I don't know, just, just embracing life, man, and, I, and and modeling that to your kids to embrace stuff, try new stuff, and then to embrace, embrace the culture wherever they are as well, you know, Um if I, I think if I brought my kids here at 10, it would be a lot harder than it has been for us. But equally, I would push them to try stuff, embrace stuff, do it. Hop on the back of the motorcycle with Rudy, you know, hop on the back, like cling on. If it, you know, do whatever you got to do. Hang on tight, like a little tick on his back, like, you know, do whatever, but like experience it, like kind of over, challenge yourself, overcoming like your different little fears and stuff like that. Again, being safe and whatever, but challenge yourself, you know, and uh, I don't know. That That's what I would say. It's like. And, and I mean, ultimately, trust God, too. It's like, don't be dumb, but trust God that if God sent you there, like he didn't send you there for, you know, for like you to be there two days and your kid to, you know, to die falling off a cliff or whatever. So, I mean, obviously be a parent, but like it's there's no more danger here than there is in the United States. Yeah. It's just the illusion of it, of what it looks like and things like that. And it's a third world country. So you automatically are kind of pre-programmed to think that it's more dangerous here. But just to embrace life, man, just to, you know, live life in the way that you live it, you know, I, I think that's what I would do. I don't, you know, I think, I don't think there's one specific thing you can do to help your kids, like, get ready for something like this. But equally, like, just just embrace it and push them to embrace it. Because I, w- I would imagine if you moved somewhere with a 10-year-old kid, that they would be hesitant to embrace stuff. But like, kind of push them, just push them to, you know, try new stuff, send them to school. I mean, that's a bit, that's a huge step. Send them to some type of school, public, private, whatever, but send them to a school with kids that speak the native language and, you know, do eat native foods and live kind of the native way of living because that, like, you have a, it's a weird, you have a weird way of adapting when you are immersed in the culture. Yeah. Like that, it's like a survival instinct almost, I think, 
And I think once that kicks in, like, your kid is good. Like, your kid's going to pass you up, even if you're all moving there at the same time. If you send your kid to a school and they start making friends from it, they're going to pass you up in language learning. They're going to pass you up in cultural experiences. They're going to pass you up in every area because kids, because kids are way more adaptable. So if, if you can adapt, then kids can adapt, you know. And, yeah. and honestly, even if you can't adapt, kids can still adapt and stuff. But you got to, you know, let them do that. Let them be able to adapt and do the stuff that they're capable of doing, you know. Yeah, I think I think uh, a lot of missionaries, like our tendency is, is to say, okay, the education system here is not good, so I'm going to homeschool. Mm-hmm. But then you rob them of so, much, so yeah. many cultural experiences, so many life experiences. That's a tough, and that's a tough choice to make. Yeah, it is. Because... Yeah, I don't know. For, I mean, for us, like, our kids did kindergarten homeschool. And, like, obviously, I mean, I would, on the education side, I would rather them homeschool now. But on the social side and development, like, th- they learned Spanish at school. Mm-hmm. They went to school and didn't have a choice. I mean, when they first went, you remember, they didn't speak Spanish yeah. when they first started going to school. Even though they were born here, we left at the key, in the key years, we didn't live here. The key years of their life for language development and stuff like that, they didn't live here. And so moving back, it was like they didn't know anything. And so it's like, you know, they went to school, they, they started speaking Spanish. And I mean, they just didn't have a choice. Didn't even think about it anymore. It was just like something that you do. And so they had to figure it out. And it was tough because, you know, I mean, Jolie specifically would come home in tears and stuff. And she would cry at school and whatever. It was a tough thing. But equally, like, you know, it made her push through it. It's not going to kill her. It's going to make her better. And, and it did. It made her better. And it even changed her personality for the better, I would say. Yeah, she is she, very different. Yeah, she's way less clingy. She's way more open. She will speak to anybody now. Before, she was kind of introvert and, like, wouldn't speak much and whatever. And, um, you know, all that. Again, I, I am pro-homeschool, like, so I don't want people to think, like. But, again, living under these certain circumstances and stuff where the culture is, um, is where you live in a different culture and where you don't have any connection to the culture and, you know, you want your kids to get along well, like, man, get along well in the culture. Like, I think sending them to school for, for a couple of years at least and then go, maybe go back after they have some different neighborhood friends and stuff like that. Um, but I think sending them to school is a great thing to do, especially if they're younger. If they're in high school and stuff, I don't know. That's a different thing. But, like, if they're younger kids, I mean, send them to school for a few years and let them, you know, get that experience and start speaking the language and kind of get comfortable. And then, you know, it is what it is. And so, I don't know. That, yeah, that would be my... That would be my thing. Yeah, so I don't know. It's a, there's a lot. Of, it's a tough thing. I, the more I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm just like, I don't know. I can't even put. I can't even put my finger on all the like complications, the complexities, I should say, of the differences. And I've never raised a kid in the states, though. To be fair, you know. So I don't know. I have an idea of what. But it's like, I mean, obviously I was raised in the state, so I have an idea of that. But I've ne- it's different being raised than raising a kid, you know. And so, but, you know, my experience is limited to this, so take it with a grain of salt. But, I don't know, I think overall it's a beautiful experience and I would never, I wouldn't trade it for, for anything. Mm-hmm. The experience they have. I mean, again, the only thing I would change, if I could change anything, is uh, just being closer to, to family somehow. Or being able to visit more frequently or, or something like that. I, you know, I don't know what the case would be. But... I mean, you know, you can't have everything, so that's it's just, it's just what it is, you know. It's one of the things that they can't have or we can't have or whatever, so I don't know. But it's been good. It's been a fun ride, and I think – I mean, my kids – I say they love it here, but that, that's what they know. And so just like any kid loves where they are, mm-hmm. you know, kids typically aren't 10 saying, I want to move to, you know, place X. So they love it here. They fully embrace the culture. They're part of the culture. Culture's part of them, and I like that, you know, because, again, this is where they live, and so – 
the momentum never feel out of place, and I don't know that they do. I'm sure there's going to be moments if they ever move back to the States where they'll feel out of place, but that's part of life. But up until now, I don't think over the past three, four years, they haven't felt out of place, I don't think. No. I think they feel at home, and so I like that about mm-hmm. them. The only time I've, I've ever seen them physically look out of out of place or maybe uncomfortable is when during school whenever someone doesn't know how to pronounce their name and just insists that I'm going to keep saying your name incorrectly. Yeah. It's just like, Mom, why did you give me this name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, which there's other kids with some tough names as well. But, you know, I mean, they're older now, so I told them you can politely correct people and say, hey, that's not my name. My name is this. And so, you know, I mean, it is what it is. And if they say it again, then say it again. I'm sorry, my name is not this. My name is this. And the person would get it. They'll pick up really quick that, oh, you don't want to be called something outside of your name, just like everybody else in the world doesn't. So let me get your name right, you know. Yeah. So it is what it is. But, yeah, I don't know. It's a little bit of our experience, I guess. I don't know how helpful that is to anybody, but definitely, if anything else, worth hearing our experiences. And our our perspective and the way that we view life and then try to embrace it here, I think, you know. Because I think, I don't know, life, it, everywhere you live, I think, it has beauty, has a beautiful part to it, you know. And this is no uh, no exemption. Like, this, life is beautiful here. It's a beautiful upbringing for, for the kids. It's a great way to raise kids, to be able to, like, just kind of everything shotgun, running around, doing this, that, hopping, in, you know, it's just, it's a, there's a lot of adventure involved. And yeah. so. I like it. I have no regrets at all, and I won't have regrets going forward. <clears throat> Even if something bad were to happen, God forbid, I still wouldn't have regrets about, you know, because, again, stuff can happen anywhere. So, I don't know. That's my perspective. Yeah, I don't have any uh, any regrets either. I'm overall just very, very grateful because I like the life that we've given them. I feel like we are all blessed to to be able to to live here, do life here, live in community here, like everything that I feel um, that we should be receiving from a, a, a biblical perspective we're getting, from a family perspective we're getting, you know. Um, and so I just, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm content, I'm happy with the way that we have been able to raise them and the experiences that we've been able to give them. You know, and also to to teach them that it's that happiness isn't tied into um, material things. You know, it's and and just emphasize too how important relationships are because if if they can learn that at a young age, they'll never go through life feeling feeling lonely or yeah um, isolated or feeling different. You know, um, yeah. So, no, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, that's, I think that's a good way to put it is one thing they've learned here is life is built on relationships because their life here is, does revolve around that. And so I think it's a great building block for life, you know, going forward for anybody. So I'm you know grateful that they're learning that. And that's what's being modeled for them in their life is really geared that direction of life is being built on relationships. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that gives you a heads up or a, a, it gives you a head start or what I don't know, whatever the word is, a leg up. Um, we saw these things that don't make sense. Leg up. I was going to say foot up. Yeah, it gives you a leg up and going forward in the future. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's good. But, yeah, that's all I got. Got anything else? No. That's it. Well, thank you for listening to us rambling about parenthood. Uh, Sorry, we haven't been uploading in a while, but hopefully we'll get back into a rhythm now. Everything is kind of getting into a new rhythm with girls going to school and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. No, thank you for listening. I don't have much more to say. 
you done nothing right you said that? no i'm good all right well thank you for listening we appreciate your love and your support and um we'll see you next week provecho